You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 1149. Whoever we're talking to, we want to start by investing 99.9% of the conversation, asking them questions about themselves and about their business. Now, I like to do this asking what I call feel-good questions. Feel-good questions are questions that They're not salesy, they're not prospecty, they're not intrusive, they're not invasive. They simply, well, they make this person feel good, right, about themselves, about the situation, and as a result, about you. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. I have a guest that's going to come on here that is going to blow your mind. Sold millions of books. He has transformed the the mushy minds like myself and millions of others that are go-getters, that the batteries were included, that have a big engine but just weren't pointed in the right direction, and he's turned us in to go-givers. From Jupiter, Florida, guys, I have the incredible Bob Berg, author of The Go-Giver. Bob, how are you? Brent, it's great. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you on here. Um, Obviously, you've had a huge impact on my life. And because of you, I have been able to give your book out to, I don't know, it's got to be 500 people now. Wow. And oh, yeah. Yeah, Bob. What's the record? What's the record of people that have given your book out, (laughs) The Go-Giver Out? Do you know? I don't know, but that what you've done is certainly you're you're an ambassador of the message and you're an embodiment of the message. You're that's absolutely true by giving them a lot of value and and touching the lives of lots and lots of people. So thank you. Well, I'm so excited to have you on here, and uh, I wanted to I wanted to have some fun in the second part of having you on here. I have some I have five tweets that you had put out. You single handedly have have made me want to get back on Twitter because Twitter was kind of uh, a very negative place, but you make it a very, a very warm and loving and heartfelt place, which is tough to say for Twitter. Uh, so <laughs> uh, we, we have, we have five tweets uh, from you that I'd, I'd love to have Bob explains his tweets in just a second, but in your book, endless referrals, the sum, the core of that talks about, and this is a different guys. He has incredible books that he's co-authored and authored himself and uh, all things being equal. People will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the underlying premise. I think of everything I've, I've written, but I also think it's the underlying premise of every good business and <laughs> every business relationship that you see. And, you know, it's interesting because that that quote is often misquoted by having something left out. A lot of times people will say, uh, Berg said that, you know, people will do business with and refer to those people they like and trust. And that's fine. But the important part that was the beginning of that, all things being equal. Now, yep. here's the thing. All things are never totally equal, but they're close enough. They're close enough that if all other things are either equal or close to being equal, then it will be the business will go to the referrals will go to those people they know, like and trust. 
I love it. So when you're saying things, you know, things might not be equal, you could get out relationship, right? It could be they want to do business with their best friend or they want to do business with somebody else or or maybe they've they've had long-term relationships. Like what makes things not equal? It could be uh, depending upon the the situation, it could be a lack of availability. It could be the price is so much different when the intrinsic value isn't that different. Yeah. Okay. I guess here's here's an example way outside the business. Okay, when I was a little kid, uh, I lived in a little town called Peabody, Massachusetts, and we had this doctor, uh, Doctor Vonsalides, Doctor V, we called him. Lovely, fantastic, wonderful person. Went to him. My whole family did until I was about four years old, and we moved to the town of Natick, Massachusetts. It's about fifty miles away, but we really love this doctor, this dentist. Mm-hmm. And so for all my boyhood life, twice a year, the family and I trekked up, you know, 50 minutes to um, Peabody, Massachusetts to see Dr. V and back home. It's just what we did. It, it wasn't totally equal because we could have found somebody in, in Natick, but it was close enough to equal that the relationship with him, the no like, and trust was so extraordinary that we went to him. Now, when I eventually moved to Florida, okay, things were so far from equal. Because I didn't want to have to go, sure. I live in Jupiter, I didn't want to drive down to West Palm Beach, take the airplane all the way to Logan Airport in Boston, fight through the traffic to get up to Peabody, have the appointment, come back, do the same thing, fight through traffic, go to Logan Airport, get on the plane. Things were not even close to equal. So, of course, I got a dentist down here. Okay. But all things being equal or close to it, we'd go with Dr. V, of course. And, th- and that's what I mean. So, it might be something where someone needs a product in 10 days. And you just can't get it in 10 days. The competitor can get it in 10 days. Okay. So so things aren't close to equal, you know, but if things are close, then it's a matter of the relationship. So we need to be realistic in in that, you know, if you can't deliver in 10 days and they need it for their client in 10 days, it's not close enough to equal. It's not going to be about the relationship. It's going to be about what is just, you know. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so I think we always have to look at it in a real world way. Sure. Real world way, though, also means that the relationship is very, very important. And if it can possibly come into play, it will. Incredible. So, Bob, in our business, we wholesale real estate. Mm -hmm. So we've got ugly houses out there that need complete renovation. And then we've got these investors, which we call cash buyers that go in. And our job as the middleman is to match these two up and to earn a fee in the middle for finding these deals. When you're talking about getting referrals and building a successful business, I was going on and talking about talking to the cash buyers and the investors and saying, what is your goal? What is your goal this year? And how can I help you achieve that goal? Give us some like Bob Berg wisdom on how do we go and like really be the guys and gals that are trusted in our market that that one, find the best deals, but also help out these property owners that are truly in a distressed situation. Well, if we're talking about developing and cultivating relationships with the right people, okay, and you know, your game is who the right people is. That's not something I would know, but that's something, you know, you would certainly know and and so forth. The question then would be, how do you do that? How do you develop a relationship? Well, you do that by putting it before the business, <laughs> right? And understanding that to the degree that you make another person feel genuinely good about themselves, right? 
that's the degree that you're you're ready to have that happen. And and I'll just tell you when I first started in sales and it was about 40 years ago and I was on the phone a lot and I had to make a lot of prospecting calls and I had to develop relationships over the phone. I remember this is well before the days of, you know, email Zoom, many of those kind of things. It was phone calls. And uh, you know, and I you had to develop relationships. Well, one of the things I realized right away, I recognized one right away is that nobody ever hung up the phone on me while they were talking. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's an amazing thing. If I'm trying to tell them all about myself and about my product and about my service and why it's so good and what they're not interested. Right. But if they're talking about themselves and their business, they're totally engaged. And I often say to my audiences, you know, at a, a live program, I'll say, you know, how many of you have ever been in a conversation with someone who let you do practically all the talking and people raise their hands. Didn't you kind of wait, come away from that conversation saying to yourself, wow, what a fascinating conversationalist that person is. Mm -hmm. And all they did was ask us about ourselves. And that's where we want to start. Whoever we're talking to, we want to start by investing 99.9% of the conversation, asking them questions about themselves and about their business. Now, I like to do this asking what I call feel-good questions. Feel-good questions are questions that are, they're not salesy, they're not prospecty, they're not intrusive, they're not invasive. They simply, well, they make this person feel good, right, about themselves, about the situation, and as a result, about you. So I have 10 of these in my arsenal, but you'll never have time to ask all 10. In fact, even if you have all time, all the time, you know, time to ask all 10, don't do it. Because even though these are wonderful questions that they'll love answering, if you ask any more than two or three at any one time, you'll kind of come across as an investigative reporter. You don't want to do that, right? So, but just if you'll ask these first two questions, you'll be amazed at how attracted to you this person becomes in terms of wanting to engage with you and wanting to know more about you and being more open to how you can help them. Okay. So the first question is to simply ask, how did you get started in the so-and-so business? Okay. So you love it. So what would this person be be doing, Brent, that you're talking to? So like an investor, they fix and flip houses. Okay. So how did you get your start flipping homes? How did you get started as a real estate investment professional? Okay. And, and that's even a nicer way to say it as a real estate investment professional. How did you get your start? Now, this is not a particularly clever question. It's not a slick question. In fact, it's a pretty mundane question. How did you get started as a so-and-so? Okay. But here's the thing. People love, people love answering that question. Mm-hmm. Why? Because unlike most people who's just trying to, what I call, sell them your hat, right? Who just is mm-hmm. about you and you're communicating to this person that I value you. I want to know more about you. I want to hear your story. In other words, you're basically making them the movie of the week. And they appreciate that because nobody asked them that question. No No one's asking them that question. Their own family has never asked this person that question. I talk about that all the time, Bob. Like as soon as I became, like you think that once you hit a financial point in your life, like everybody's going to throw you a party and you're going to like, everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, you're just doing so well. And, and, and it's going to be this big celebration. 
No, no. people are living their lives. <laughs> right, you know what exactly. I mean? Like yeah. people are living their lives. And certainly in our business of wholesaling real estate, it's a small, it's a small community of people mm-hmm. that actually do this. Mm-hmm. So when you actually tell somebody, oh, I wholesale real estate, they're like, they just go blank. You know what I mean? The eyes gloss over and nothing happens. So when somebody comes up and asks you how you got started and whatever it is, I mean, I think this works in all parts of life, but certainly if you're at a networking event or if you're, if you're in a, at a conference or whatever else, how did you get started in this? I mean, I love that. Yeah. So the next question is, what do you enjoy most about your work? It might come across as, you know, when they've told you a little bit about their story and, you know, again, of course, you respectfully, actively listen and you will find people have fascinating stories when you truly care and truly listen. And then it's to maybe say, wow, you've had some fa- sounds like you've had some fascinating experiences. What do you enjoy most about your work? What do you enjoy most about, you know, flipping homes? And again, it's a feel good question. You're asking them, what do they enjoy most about it? So by the very nature of the question, it makes them feel good about themselves. And again, yeah. feel good about you. Now, what I call the one key question may or may not work with this particular person in this case, because you already know and they know you know, it would be if you're talking with somebody maybe who's not in the business. Because remember, you're still wanting to build relationships with people because you never know who knows a home flipper who would, uh, you know, who would use you. But it's to ask the question, what I call the one key question, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good prospective client for Mm -hmm. you? right? Mm-hmm. And so forth. But here's another question you can, you can always ask. And that is, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with would be a good connection for you? How can I know if someone I'm speaking with is someone you'd like to meet? Love so it. any of these questions. Now there's also questions called form questions, F O R M F stands for family, asking people about their family. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, people love talking about their talented spouse, their student athletic straight A son or daughter, right? Uh, O stands for occupation, which we've been talking about. R is Mm -hmm. recreation. Do people love talking about their recreational activities? Sure they do. That's why they do them. So they may be a skier. And so now remember, you can go back to those first couple of feel-good questions. How did you get started skiing? And they'll tell you about family vacations or the, the person they met who introduced them to skiing and how they, right? What do you enjoy most about it? Right. And they'll tell you some of the great stories with it. Right. And so you've got family, occupation, recreation, and then M is message. And this is that thing that they see as bigger than themselves. This might be the the charitable cause they're involved with. It could be something that's special to them. And of course, when you're asking them questions about that, you know, they just love. So you start and we're not talking about a long conversation here. We're talking a five to seven minute conversation that yep. bang, absolutely positions you in their mind as someone who they would like to cultivate a relationship with. I love it. How do we develop if we don't naturally have it, which I think most people do, but I think some people struggle with this. Is there a way to develop curiosity? You know what I mean? Like we talk about being interested in people make you interesting. And that's, yeah. that's uh, you know, been around for forever. But how do we develop curiosity to not have like in our mind going, okay, F-O-R-M. I got to put it in this. Oh, well, you know what so, I mean? well, there's two questions here and, and both are good ones. The first one is, you know, how do you really develop an authentic caring about that yes. person? Right. And you develop it by just doing it, you know, asking questions and 
and in your own mind being interested. You know, in the in his wonderful book re- published in I think it was 1959, uh, The Magic of Thinking Big, Dr. Mm-hmm. David Schwartz. That's where I first learned that opposite of what people think, action precedes feeling. Feeling does not precede action. You know, I mean, just think about it when you need to make phone calls that we can call mm-hmm. them cold calls if you want. And yep. a lot of times it's just, hey, that's just what it is. You, you are yep. getting on the phone and, you know, that's not a, a necessarily a pleasant thing to do. It, sure. It's really just not. OK, if you wait until you feel like making cold calls before taking action, you might be waiting a really long time. But if instead you just act upon it and start making those phone calls, okay, getting comfortable with it, sitting up straight and tall, having that smile on your face, putting that mirror in front of you, having that smile on your face, being genuinely interested in helping the person you're calling, you act as if you get into and you'll start adopting that feeling. Feeling Mm -hmm. follows action. So the way that you begin to do that is just by doing it. Now, in terms of your questions, so you're not thinking, okay, uh, Berg's questions, well, which form, F-O-R-M, what am I? No, this is where practice comes in, like anything else, okay? You know, you can go to uh, burg.com slash 10Q, 10Q, and you can just download my, or you don't have to download. Matt, can you put that on so everybody can have it? We'll put it across the screen here. Sure. One more time, Bob, what was it? burg.com slash one zero Q for 10 questions. Love it. Yeah. And just, you don't have to learn all of them at once, though. It's great to know all of them just so that you can ask the ones that you want to ask when you, but just the first two, just the first two. Okay. How did you get started in the so-and-so business? What do you enjoy most about it? And then the form questions, it's easy, you know, form family, occupation, recreation, mess, but practice, practice with others, practice with yourself. Uh, practice with your family pets. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just keep on doing it. So, because you don't want to be in the situation thinking about it. You want to know it before. And and so, and this brings up the question. So Bob, are you saying that we should rehearse these things? Isn't that less than authentic? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Have you ever been to a play? I don't care if it's Broadway or your local theater and you see people on stage doing this magnificent job up there. Do you think for a minute they're simply winging it? Absolutely not. They've practiced it. They've drilled this. They've rehearsed it again and again and again. And it doesn't sound rehearsed. Because nope. Now it's not. Now it's just part of their being. You know, they said Yul Brenner, who played the king and I on stage and in the movies, I think he played it on stage like 5,600 gazillion times or whatever. They said he didn't play the king. He was the king, right? <laughs> He embodied it. He was, but first he rehearsed it and learned a script. So that's okay. It's are you being genuine and authentic as you're doing it? Which, of well, listen, if you, if you want, if you truly care, you want to be good at it. And if you want to be good at it, you practice it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. not just, well, I, I just need to go out there and not have any, you know, just be unconscious and just, you know, whatever. No, if you're not naturally curious and you're not na- naturally interested in people, you got to practice that. Yeah, and, and imagine. Yeah. Imagine a band going on stage, your favorite. Oh, it'd be a mess. Yeah. Can you imagine them not practicing? Can you imagine them not rehearsing? So no, that has nothing. No, we learn as, as professionals, we learn, we learn our trade, right? I love it. Practice. 
And then guys, be authentic because now when you're asking the questions, you're not having to be thinking of yourself. What am I going to ask next? No, you can be a hundred percent focused on that other person. Yep. Well, conversation versus interrogation. You know, not going into all of the questions so that you're pulling right. out all the stuff to see if it suits you, but being, you know, being open to understanding who is this person and how exactly. can I be of service to them if possible. I love it. Let's get to your tweets, Bob. Okay. Let's get okay. to some of these I'm, tweets. I'm, I'm going to put them up on the screen and it's going to be explain these tweets. So oh, the first one here would be with the 10 feel good questions. It's berg.com slash 10 Q 10 Q. I think he pulled it right from your site, Bob. Yeah. Oh, maybe they took it off. That maybe it, it opened up into a bigger thing. Okay, that that's fine if that works. Absolutely. Yep. Right here. Okay. Self-respect is where every other kind of respect comes from. Respect from others is a reflection, not the source. What does that mean? Yeah, and that's from John David Manns and my follow-up to the Go Giver. Go Givers sell more. Mm-hmm. And that's simply understanding that, you know, sometimes we we feel good about ourselves based on what other people think about us, mm-hmm. but we really don't feel good about ourselves if we're depending upon what other people think about us. We feel good about ourselves because we think well about ourselves. The paradox is if we think well about ourselves, the chances are much greater other people are going to think well about us. We first must respect ourselves. Only then is the chances likely that other people will respect us. Now, when I say respect yourselves, I don't mean uh, being a, you know, a egomaniac. Uh, it's understanding our strengths. It's understanding our weaknesses. It's being able to, to well, we can ignore the weaknesses that don't matter. We need to mitigate the ones that, that we need to mitigate, and we need to turn certain weaknesses into strengths. Sure. Right? But if we're working on ourselves constantly, then we've earned the right to feel good about ourselves. And when we respect ourselves, others are much more likely to as well. And I think that that just allows us, I mean, it's almost like you give yourself permission to go and initiate a new relationship and go and, and want to be of service to other people. If you don't respect yourself, you're, I feel like you're going to be kind of put a force field around you and, mm. and wear an invisibility cloak and just hope that, you know, um, you can just kind of do business by yourself and it just kind of happens, but it happens so much faster and it's so much more rewarding to do it with friends and to do it with people that you genuinely care about. And uh, that starts. Starts with yourself. Absolutely. I love that. Tweet number two. Oh. A frame can be defined as the foundation from which everything else evolves. So set a frame of collaboration, win-win, love, and prosperity, and you are already 90% of the way there. The opposite is also true, however, so frame very consciously. Yeah. So a frame is really where it's at, uh, that 90%. When you have set a positive frame with this other person. Remember, if the frame is the foundation from which everything else evolves, right? The correct frame means you're always going in the right direction. Now, the good news is if someone comes to you in a negatively set frame or an opposition type frame or a adversarial frame, you have the ability to bring it back on track and set a positive frame. But let me give you an example of a frame that really, I think, explains what it is. Yeah. I was, and this happened a few years ago. It's probably my favorite all-time frame story. I was at a uh, local Dunkin' Donuts, and there was a little boy, a toddler, probably you know between two, three years old, and he was running around the restaurant, and his parents called him back over to their table. So he's walking back there, and he slips on the floor. He takes a spill on the floor. Now, you could tell he wasn't hurt, 
But you could also tell he was shocked, right? Mm-hmm. This was not something in his realm of experience. Well, the first thing he did was what? He looked at his mom and dad to get their interpretation of the event. What does this mean? What does this mean, right? Now, I truly believe that had the parents gotten upset and panicky and, oh no, my, my poor baby, are you? He'd have started crying, right? Mm-hmm. But they handle it just so beautifully. They they walked over to him quickly, but very calmly. They had these very serene smiles on their faces. Uh, they smiled at him. They laughed. They said, oh, what a fun trick. Can you do that again? And well, what did the little boy do? He started laughing, right? What the parents did is they they set a productive frame from which he could operate. So rather than having to soothe him and dry his tears after he started crying his eyes out, right? No, they set the frame so that there was no big deal. This, it was fun. You know, this was a good thing. I fell down and wow, my parents really liked it. And I thought, that's a frame. Now, let's say, and that's easy, by the way, to set a positive frame, smile and you greet someone the right way, that's fine. But what about when someone says to you, you know, working with people like you is is just something I've never enjoyed because all you do is you blah, 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 blah. Okay, now that's a negative frame, right? If mm-hmm. you were to buy into that adversarial frame and work from there, what would you do? You'd be defensive. You'd be reactionary. You'd argue with the person. You'd defend your position or you'd tell the person to go jump in the lake or whatever. None of these are productive. None of these are productive. You've bought into that frame right? 90% of the way to that, the result, it doesn't work. So instead, what if we can respond? What we wait to hear this person out, we have a, a look on our face. It's just non-committal, but it's one of peace and so forth. And we we're listening to them. So they know they're being heard. And then we might say something like, you know, Tom, I sounds like you've had some experiences in the past that weren't very productive or certainly weren't very amiable or, or fun. And I'm sorry that happened. You know, I, whether or not I'm the right person for you to work with, you know, I, I can't know without exploring deeper and discovering what you're really looking to accomplish through that. And so let's do that. And if it turns out, you know, we're a good fit. Great. If not, that's okay too. I love it. We run across that all the time. So you've just reframed this now. Mm-hmm. From two adversaries to two allies who are just looking out for for that person's best interest. Is that in your book? No, that's in my book, Adversaries into Allies. Yeah, which is another uh, book I wrote. Actually, it, it's out of print now. We're we're going to rebrand it as Genuine Influence, uh, which is what in the book, the Go Giver Influencer, we call Genuine Influence. Yeah, and uh, so the Go Giver Influencer is probably my my favorite book in the Go Giver series uh, because it's all about people skills. Yep. And I'm a big believer that people skills are the skill that separates the successful from the stratospherically successful. Yeah, I mean, you got to know what you're doing. Don't get me wrong. You've got to have the skill set. You've got to have the competence. You've got to know what you're doing. But again, when you think about all things being equal, right, it's the person who who can work effectively with others, who can make people feel genuinely good about themselves. This is the person who just, you know, kind of has the world eating out of their hands. I believe in that, but what was it? Influence versus manipulation? 
Well, it was persuasion versus persuasion. Yeah, because influence by definition is the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. That's influence. Yeah. You can influence one of two ways. You can persuade, which is very positive. That that is helping them do what they want for their reasons, which Mm -hmm. benefits both them and you. Or if you manipulate, that's getting a person to do something for your reasons only, whether or not it hurts that other person. That was the problem that I had early on in my real estate career was I felt that I had to learn these secret manipulation strategies, the right ver, you know, the right things to say in every situation, the right way to not answer a question and flip it back on them. And once you learn that persuasion, that's much more yeah. powerful. I mean, you don't have to manipulate anybody and right. you feel better about it in your soul. You feel better about you know, persuading somebody to take an action than trying to manipulate into something that they're going to regret later. And it really doesn't ever work out. It's like it's trying to hold a bunch of sand in your hand. It's going to fall out at some it point. Is. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, when you, when you think about it, sales, which is what we're all in. Okay. Yep. No matter what we're doing, selling is simply when it comes right down to it, it's discovering what the other person needs, wants, and desires, and helping them to get it. If you're willing to do that, and there's a way to do it, you'd ask the questions that you teach how to ask. You take the actions that you learn how to take that you teach. You do the, absolutely, but you're always doing it with the intent of discovering how they are going to benefit from doing business with you. You know, my, uh, Harry Brown, one of my old mentors, he wrote a book, The Secret of Selling, right? And he said, the secret of selling need not be a secret. Simply find out what the other person wants and help them get it. <laughs> That's it. Right. All right. Yeah. yeah. If As long as we're focused on them, we're heading in the right direction. But that's difficult sometimes, right? I mean, it's difficult when we're, when we're like trying to make our pay our bills. It's difficult when, you know, we're, we're still at our parents' house or, you know, we've made some mistakes and we lost a bunch of money and now we're, we feel down about ourselves. Like, how do we get sure. back into that place of, you know, that not the self, like not loathing, but kind of like your, your confidence is taken from you and you feel well, like, you know, you're kind of imposter syndrome. If you try to go out and sure. help people and, and you just don't feel like you're very valuable, you know? Well, it's a human thing. Right. I mean, I think we've all been there at one time or another. And, you know, there's a certain point where where first we just have to understand that we all go through this. I I think one of the things that that knocks people out of any business, right, people who could have been top producers, top money earners, just top leaders in in a business. It's not being told no. It's thinking they're the only ones being told no. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's not falling down on your rear end. It's thinking you're the only one that's fallen down on your rear end. It's not feeling like a failure. It's thinking you're the only one who's feeling like a failure. And so we look at these people who, you know, are hugely successful people and they walk across the stages of the world or they're doing all these great things and they, and they, they are, the mistake is thinking that they always were there. They weren't, they started out the same way. They had the same nose. They had the same failures. They had the same feeling. You know, I once spoke with a a person who wrote a a wonderful book on self-confidence. This is many, many, many years ago. I won't say the name because I was with the story. But he said when he wrote that book, he said he was actually at his lowest point ever. 
he really wrote that book for himself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So don't for a minute, if you know, if you're watching this, okay. And you know, you've got the best teacher in the business that you're learning from. Okay. Don't think for a moment that he didn't go through this <laughs> and don't think for a moment you won't go through this and everybody, but be okay with that. Doesn't mean you have to like it. You know, we're not doing this. Oh, it's all great. It feel horrible. Oh, that's good. No, it's not. It stinks. Okay. But just realize it's part of it. Yep. That's part of it. And you will get past it, but you're going to have to work your way past it. Okay. And then, because again, that's just life. That's, that's how it works. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. Love it. Tweet number three. You ready? Mm -hmm. Single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. Well, yeah. I mean, this is from 2014. This is your top pinned tweet. Yeah. This is something that I learned, was not told, but learned by observing my dad, Allah Shalom, that he was a person who just, and his people skills were really very natural. He had an absolutely genuine, authentic interest in others. And it didn't matter who he was talking to. He would ask them questions about themselves. And I got to tell you, people just loved him. People just loved him. And it, again, it didn't matter who. It was very genuine. And again, that's what I say. Well, what if I don't really care that much to, you know, that's okay. Take the action as though you do follow Dr. David Schwartz's advice. Act as if just let action precede feelings. But I've got to tell you, it is that genuine interest you have in another human being. It's the, the single greatest people skill there is. Two more. Do we, do we have time? How are we doing on time? Are we yeah, okay? Go ahead. go ahead. Okay, good. I got two more for you. Okay, Here's sure. the next one. <laughs> Uh, make people feel genuinely good about themselves. There's something the marketplace will always honor. And you've just nudged the world forward, making it slightly better place than it was before. Yeah. I mean, you know, what is the marketplace? And so often we think of marketplace as just those buyers and sellers. Well, that, that is, that is the marketplace. But again, your products and services can be fantastic. In fact, they need to be, but that's just the baseline. It's the experience that you provide them in every interaction from that initial phone call to the initial meeting with that person to the mm -hmm. follow up, the follow through, the relationship building process, the sale, the referral, whatever it happens to be, right? Make people feel good about themselves. That's always, nobody ever thinks, oh, I hate that, that salesperson. He or she made me feel so good about myself. I love being around them. I don't want ever want to do business with them. No, that doesn't happen. Okay. Again, this is never to say that the skill set and the competency and the knowledge isn't important. It is. It's just that it's the baseline, right? It's how you make that other person feel. And by the way, when you do that, it's not just great for business. It's good for life. It just helps everyone. There's no dichotomy between doing what's good for others and good for the world and good for yourself. Yeah. I love it when in our business, you know, we go, we go on these appointments and these are properties that are in rough condition or they're in a financially rough condition. And we walk in and the people are kind of really guarded, right? They're kind of guarded off the bat and they're kind of like, you know, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable with this person in my house right away, but what should I do? Should I show them the, the room? Should I show them the kitchen? Should I show them the backyard? We just sit them down and we say, before we get to any of that, like, let's just sit down and tell me what your goal is with this property. And it's like all of it just, 
It's like it just everything gets a little bit lighter, a lot lighter, actually. You know what I mean? And then it just opens up that conversation to see, wait, can we actually is what we have to offer a cash as is offer on their property? Is this really what's best for them? And you walk down that path and you find out what's going on and asking that question. So it's critical. And you really take that genuine interest in what is this person going through and, and can I actually help them? And if I can't help them, can I put them in touch with somebody that can? You go in with that attitude, you're unstoppable in this business. Mm. Unstoppable. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Last tweet for Bob here. Here we go. Everything we think, feel, say, and do is a result of our belief system. This belief system is our unconscious operating system. A key to success in life is making the unconscious conscious, and that takes ongoing work. What do you mean, making the unconscious conscious? Yeah, and actually, I found out that, that Carl Jung said that about until we make the unconscious conscious, we live our lives thinking that everything is simply luck, right? When, because we just go along without thinking. Your belief system, a belief system, as human beings, we all operate from a set of beliefs. Okay. What is a belief? It's a, basically, it's a subjective truth. It's the truth as we understand the truth to be, not necessarily what the truth is. Now, sometimes our truths are the truth, but very often it's not. Sure. But we think it is. Those are beliefs. When you hear someone saying, well, my truth is, what they're saying is my belief is this, okay? A truth and a belief are two different things, often. Sometimes they're the same, but often they're not. Well, as human beings, we are subject to a belief system. This belief system is given to us at a very young age, well before we are even conscious enough to be able to check premises and ask, well, why is this true? Why would you say this? Who taught you this? Where did you, they learn it from, right? We just accept these. So a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, popular culture, cultural mores, all of these shape our, our belief systems. But by the time we're little more than toddlers, they're pretty much etched in stone, right? And again, as we go, most of us live our entire lives subject to, again, what I call an unconscious operating system, believing that we're making decisions out of conscious choice when really we're living in a really a matrix. If you remember the first movie, the matrix, only instead of machines, it's our belief, you know, that it's, yeah. it's okay. And so if we do this, it means that we're really operating in a way that we're not conscious. So every decision we make is based on that, that set of beliefs. So we can't really be necessarily operating in truths. Life begins to change once we understand this is the case. And this is where we begin to take the unconscious and make it conscious. How do we do this? We start questioning premises. We begin questioning everything. We're not in a disrespectful way, but we, and I don't mean necessarily to other people you say that, but I mean, we just start questioning. We say, well, why is this true? Why is this a fact? What is the principle this is based on? The person I learned it from, how do they know this? Where did they learn it from? Who did they learn it from? Why does this make sense as opposed to this? If someone says there's a choice between this or that, is that true or is it a false premise? Maybe it's neither. Maybe it's both. Maybe there's a third option altogether. But what I'm saying is when we go through the exercise of questioning premises and asking why, it's amazing what we open up our minds to. 
how important or how, how do the people that are around us affect that process, the unconscious? You know what I mean? The environment that we're in and or the, the people we surround ourselves with. Well, yeah. What was it? Jim Rohn, the late Jim Rohn said, you know, we're the sum total of or with the average, excuse me, of, uh, of the five people we surround ourselves with. So what we need to do is ask ourselves the question, you know, what I'm learning from them or what I'm hearing from them, does that add to life or does it subtract from it? And I'm not saying change your friends. I'm just saying just ask yourself the question, you know, ask the questions. If they're all saying, well, this is the way it is and blah, 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 you need to ask yourself the question, you know, well, why? Why is this so? Now, if you can respectfully ask them, that's great, too. I don't know your relationship with them. So it's it's always, you know, but yeah, they absolutely, the people we're around all the time or continuously, they absolutely affect our, our set of beliefs and we affect theirs. And you're, you're around some of the most incredible, influential thought leaders that we have. I mean, you're around incredible people all the time. You're writing incredible books. You're being on stage with incredible people. Like, did you feel like as you've gone through this, your career, that you just find certain people that you really, really, really connect with and that everybody has kind of been uplifted by that? The whole group gets uplifted? Oh, well, and, and many people have uplifted me. Right. You know, so, I mean, I, I think we all try to uplift each other, but, you know, I, I do try to be around people that I believe to be positive influences, <laughs> right? Just like when sure. we're a kid, right? And our parents want us to hang around positive influence, you know, yeah. uh, or, you know, that person's a bad influence on you or a good influence on you. Well, it's the same as adults, right? And so yeah. only we need to take responsibility for that our, ourselves. But yeah, I've been very fortunate that I, you know, I do get to be around a lot of people who I, I learn from all the time. And, uh, you know, that's always, uh, that's always a good thing. I love it. This has been absolutely incredible. Do you have a, a book coming out? What, what's on the horizon that we can get our hands on? No, I don't have that. But what I do have is a daily impact email that I send. I'm part of it. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, we have a lot of fun with that. So I send that five days a week, Monday through Friday, and it's just a little note or sometimes it's a how to, sometimes it's a little bit of inspiration or a thought or whatever. Yeah. And that, that's the biggest thing. So we love when people subscribe to that and we hope it improves their, their day in some way. Berg.com is where we go. Yeah. B-U-R-G.com. And there should be that little can, annoying pop-up. And there, it pops right up. You can get in there and everybody on here watching this and then the thousands watching the replay and the thousands listening to this on the podcast, the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, make sure you go to Berg dot com and, and be a part of that daily email newsletter and not even a newsletter. It's just inspiration. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And Thank I'll you. tell you this, just from my perspective, every time that I kind of get away from your material, your instruction, your message, I always see my business going down a little. It's just not as it's just not as happy. It's just not as fun and not as profitable. And as soon as I get back, as soon as I go to your Twitter, as soon as I go to your website, as soon as I pick up this book that I've, you know, got highlighted and, and, and beat up and everything, all of a sudden, boom, instantly I'm snapped back and I really understand uh, the core message that, that I was taught in this book. And it just makes the day brighter for some reason. And th this might be a feel heady or whatever else, but it, it, it makes it brighter. It feels like I have more energy. It feels like I have more direction. It feels like I have more confidence. Wow. And so uh, I want to thank you for that. 
Well, I want to thank you. It's absolutely incredible. You just made my day. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, especially coming from such a professional as yourself and someone who's doing such great things. You know, for you to say that really, uh, really touches me deeply. Thank you. Well, thank you, Bob. Thanks for being on here. And uh, we really appreciate you and and hope to have you back. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Bob Berg, everybody. Come on. Absolutely amazing, guys. You will triple your business. This message right here will triple your business and probably 10x, 20x, 100x, whatever else. This is the heart that you were looking for. This is the good feels that you've been looking for. The message here and the five laws of stratospheric success and everything that Bob Berg does is just absolutely, it puts you, your mind in an unbelievable place, which means that you can go out and serve on an unbelievable level. It's not that, you know, push for driver type, you know, hardcore do this thing. I liked those things. And then I read this and I was like, all those things didn't make me more successful. All those things kind of made me an asshole. You know, some of these people that tell you to 10 X and do these other things and they're fear mongers and all this other thing, Bob's going out there and he said, Hey, Guys, go love everybody, find out what their goals are, find a way to serve them, find a way to connect them with people in your world, and you're going to live a wonderful life and be able to have an incredible business. It's just a way different perspective. So that's it. That's it for the show, guys. Uh, make sure that you're, if you're not subscribed, that you are subscribed. And if you are interested in getting all the free downloads, all the tools that you need, go to wholesalinginc.com. Wholesalinginc.com. It's got everything for you there. If you are interested in joining the Rhino Tribe, go to ttpcall.com, ttpcall.com. And that's it. Keep your house clean, your actual house and this house, right? Protect your health and increase your value to the world and you'll live an incredible life. Until next week. Love you guys. See ya. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.